Hey mamas, this is Playfully Faithful Parenting, and I'm your host, Joy Wenling. I'm a seminary grad and children's and family minister turned stay-at-home mom to my five girls. Spiritual parenting is my calling, and it's my passion to help other mamas disciple their kids using the power of play and their own authentic daily walk with Christ. If you're a mama who wants to introduce your kids to Jesus and watch as the Holy Spirit transforms their lives, this is the place for you. I'm so glad you're here. So let's dive in and see how we can partner with God today. Hello, and welcome to Playfully Faithful Parenting. I'm your host, Joy. So grateful that you are here with us today. This is the first Monday of Advent. Yesterday was the first day of Advent. So happy Advent. If you are not in a liturgical church or don't follow the church calendar. This is the beginning of the season of preparing our hearts for Christmas and for the arrival. Advent means the arrival. And so we are preparing our hearts and our homes and our families for the coming of Jesus at Christmas. And it is just such a beautiful time in the church calendar in the church year. And I am really excited about what we're going to be doing this year for Advent here on the podcast. Today, I am going to share an amazing interview that I just had yesterday with Sarah Moore. Sarah Moore is the founder of Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting, an author, speaker, armchair neuroscientist, and most importantly, a mama. She's a lifelong learner with training in child development, trauma recovery, interpersonal neurobiology, and improv comedy. As a certified master trainer in conscious parenting, she helps bring joy, ease, and connection back to families around the globe. Mostly based in Colorado, Sarah and her family spend much of their time world schooling. She speaks French and eats Italian food like a pro. Her heart's desire is to bring greater peace and healing to the world through loving and respectful parenting. Now, Sarah is going to share this in the episode that this is not a Christian book, but mamas, she is a Christ follower and has such a beautiful theology of parenting. I was so deeply moved by so many of the things that she shared in this conversation. I cannot, cannot wait to share this episode with you. And so it is going to kick off our season of Advent and of just preparing our hearts for Jesus. And I think it does a beautiful job of doing that. After that, on Thursday, we are going to go through the first couple of chapters of Luke together and look at the nativity story and um, dig into my new love, teach, play approach of family discipleship. And so we are going to dig into God's word together through Advent and looking at Luke and the birth of Jesus. And so, mamas, I'm so excited for what is to come this month and for all that God is doing um, first through Sarah, through this book, and also um, just through uh, through others in in me and with me and with the book I'm writing and this podcast. And so Mamas, thanks for being here. It is going to be a incredible Advent. If you would like to dig in a little deeper into Advent, outside of looking at the book of Luke with us, I am doing the Annie F. Downs Advent series with her. Hop on her website. It includes... Um, a devotional that she's written with a Bible study and um, and like daily podcast episodes from her. So you can find all of that at, I believe it's AnnieFDowns.com. 
com slash advent. I'll put the link in the show notes as well as all of Sarah's contact information. So happy advent. Enjoy this awesome conversation. Hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me on Playfully Faithful Parenting. How are you today? I just had a chocolate chip cookie, so I am doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. I've been following you on Twitter for years. And so this is just such a blessing to have this conversation and get to know more about you and your book today. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm really touched because my Twitter account is so small. If you're one of the few people that makes up the followers there, thank you for being there. I appreciate it. (laughs) No problem. I love it. So on our podcast, I define Christian parenting as living out your authentic faith in front of your kids and then inviting your kids to join you along the way. We do this based on Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 9. What does Christian parenting mean to you and what does it look like in your family? I love this question. This is just fantastic because so much of our life we can use the Bible for very, very directly, like 100% of our life. Let's just make it really clear. And for me, Christian parenting looks a lot like one of my favorite couple of verses, which is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And before somebody goes, "Uh uh-oh, what are those? I don't have my whole Bible memorized. No worries. The gist of it is that the fruit of the spirit is what we want to live by. That's how others know that Christ is in us. And the fruit of the spirit is, per the Bible, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So my litmus test for whether I am living the fruit of the spirit is to look at this very specific list and say, am I being those things? Is my child going to look at me and say, I know who God is because I see him working through mama in these ways. So oftentimes in parenting, we look at how can we get our kids to behave a certain way? But for me, it comes back to, well, yes, of course I can love my child. That's very easy. I do that all day, every day. But joy, yeah, sure, I can be joyful with her most of the time. Peace, okay, now this starts to be harder work for us as parents. Am I living in a way that feels peaceful to her? And continuing to unpack these patience whoa, am I modeling patience? I need to look in the mirror for a good long while sometimes and say, how am I doing with that, God? Before I can even say, how am I doing with that to my child? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We do not want to control our children. The best way that we can really model Christian parenting is by saying, am I able to control myself in ways that are going to nurture my child's relationship with God so that we can both live by the fruit of the spirit. And guess what? When we do that, we have a really, really joyful life together. Oh, so good. I often, when, like when I drop my kids off at school or dance, I'll say to them, be fruity. And that's their (laughs) reminder to allow the Holy Spirit to work through them that day. But it's such a good reminder that I need to tell myself, I need to wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, be fruity, mama. Like (laughs) that is something we need as well. And so that's such a good, good reminder. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. I love that. Be fruity. I might borrow that if you don't mind. (laughs) Yes, please do. I love it. Um, So tell me a little bit about play in your home in your discipline, in your discipleship, uh, because I know you love play. I do. I do. I'm a big advocate for play because let's be real, we all need it. If we don't have enough play in our life, we start to feel really down. We start to feel depressed. We start to feel angry and bitter and resentful and all these other things. It might help if I first define for people how I think about play, because a lot of people are like, I don't love Legos. Does that make me a horrible person? No, it doesn't. You know, by my definition, 
Play is anything that brings you joy, period. Anything yeah. at all that's joyful. So as it comes to how that manifests in my life as a parent and in discipline and things like that, a couple of ways. First of all, I choose to remember that a lighthearted approach to parenting always works. What do I mean by works? Well, it's the best way to connect with my child. We know that play is the language of childhood, a beautiful quote from Jean Piaget many, many years ago. And when we can connect with our children in their language, so to speak, we don't have those power struggles. We don't have those battles. We don't have those difficult seasons of parenting where we feel like we are just on a totally different page from our kid. But when we can approach our children with a light heart and curiosity and wonder, what is going on for my child from their perspective? I wonder why they did that thing that they did. I wonder what they are needing in order to behave better. If I can approach it with a lens of curiosity and a joyful heart, it makes me a much more patient parent. I also know that, as I touched on a second ago, my child and all children for that matter, have a hard time grasping who God is, who Jesus is. You know, it's kind of this nebulous person they've heard about, but they don't really get a concrete image of that until they are older. And let's face it, a lot of adults struggle with who is God as well. So in the meantime, if we as the adult say, I believe in God and I want to live like God, our job is to be an emotionally safe place for our child so that our children grow up to say, this thing that mom or dad or auntie or whoever believes in, it's a safe place too, because it directs how they live. And if we come at them with, you know, well, I need to punish you because God tells me so I need to, you know, whatever, they're going to say, you know what, that God's not for me. I don't feel emotionally safe there. I don't want that in my life. And we wonder why this generation is turning their backs on God so very much. It's often because Christianity has been twisted into this punitive thing that it's not intended to be. If we look at Christ as our model, let's go back to that Galatians couple of verses that I shared. When we're living by the fruit of the spirit, those are all incredible ways to model for our children not only what our emotional safety looks like, but also what God's emotional safety looks like. I want our child to be able to come to us and say, I need your help, or I made a mistake. Will you please forgive me? Knowing that they will be forgiven in the same way that we receive when we go to our Heavenly Father and ask for guidance or support or forgiveness. So peaceful discipline in my definition is absolutely the way to live like Christ and set the stage for our children forming a deep and lasting relationship with him as well. But it all starts with us, the ones they can see and feel and touch. Oh, that's so good. Cause yes, kids are so concrete and God can be so abstract. And so just when we think about ourselves as being that concrete image of God for them, um, it really, I mean, it puts some pressure on us, but knowing that he can fill in those blanks and that when we make mistakes, we can turn to him and ask for his help. Um, but it really does put into perspective what our job is as, as Christian parents. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to be crystal clear that we, thank God, we are not God. We get to mess up. We are going to mess up. In fact, when I told my daughter that I was writing a parenting book, one of her first questions to me asked with complete innocence was, oh, is it about how to make mistakes? Because you're really good at that. And <laughs> You know, I, I laughed and went, oh, actually, it's not about how to make mistakes, but it's true. I do have a lot of experience with that. But the good news for all of us as parents is that 
for one thing in my book, I completely normalize mistakes. I probably share more of the mistakes I've made than the things I've done right. I really want to normalize for everybody that we're all going to mess up sometimes and that's okay. But here's what we do when we mess up. Here's how we regain repair and emotional safety once again, even after what I call with my own child, emotional speed bumps. Yeah, that slowed us down. That was bumpy. That didn't feel good. But here's how we recover. And again, that really models what it's like to be a human who's living for Christ. Because as a human, I'm going to keep messing up. I'm not going to get this right. I am not Jesus. So every time I mess up with him, I get to go back to God and say, God, I did it again. I'm so sorry. And will you please forgive me? I also have an obligation to go to my child and say, as your mama or fill in the blank with whoever you are, I messed up. And I also need to ask for your forgiveness too and model for them what repentance looks like at a human level too. Oh, so good. Yes. Yes. So we've kind of started talking about your book a little bit. So tell me more. So what is it called? And tell me a little bit about the premise. Sure, sure. It is called Peaceful Discipline. And the official long name because there is, I think, one other book on Amazon with the same name, but it's Peaceful Discipline, Story Teaching, Brain Science, and Better Behavior. It's the one with the white cover. <laughs> the other one has like a black cover or something, but I've got the one with the white cover. And I will be very transparent and I will say that this book is not specific to Christian parents. This is a book that is written for everybody, regardless of belief system or lack thereof. My sincere hope. In fact, backing up a little bit, part of I actually thought about writing it as a Christian book, but I know that automatically a whole lot of people wouldn't buy it then. They would say, oh, that's for those Christians. That's not my thing. So I actually chose to write it as a secular book, but my prayer has been that God would use me through this book to get people curious, to say, what's different about this approach? What's different about this author? How do I get more of that? And then I can give him the glory. So in that sense, it is absolutely a Christian book because it's from him and through him that I was able to write it. And my hope is that people will be able to live more like him by having more peace in their homes. So that's my little not so secret secret that I'll share with you as a fellow believer. But uh, as far as the book itself, it is based on science and research. So everything that I have in here is something that I can point to either this study or you know this research over here. Here's what we know about the brain and why this works. But essentially what I do in the book is I fairly early on talk about a lot of the common discipline strategies that are used today. And with compassion, with grace, I poke holes in them. I say, here's why this doesn't work, or here's why this actually might look like it works, but long-term, it creates more risks for the child or for the relationship. So I help people understand, according to research, why a lot of the things we've been told to do aren't actually the way to go. And then I talk about what to do instead, because that's always the big question, right? Well, if not X, why should I do Y? So I've got the Y as well, both as far as like, you know, algebraic reference, as well as the Y in the grand scheme of why do we do this? So I point to some very, very, uh, very, very specific strategies, everything from a different take on playful parenting than some of the other playful parenting books have, a different take on what happens when our child is engaging in attention-seeking behavior and how we can handle that through compassion and connection to actually guide our children rather than some of the traditional punitive methods. Um, I talk about being calm as a parent or caregiver and how we can do some of the inner work that we need to do. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, it's not just about behavior modification for kids. A lot of this is inner work that we need to do so we can be the kind of parent that we want to be. And this is honestly the hardest part of all of it. So I have big sections on how we can find our calm. And they might surprise some people because sometimes the answer is not actually to stay calm. So that's a little sneak preview, but we still get to 
express ourselves in emotionally authentic ways. They just happen to be ways that do no harm. So I get into how we can still be true to ourselves and get our feelings out so we don't have to bottle them up, but still be peaceful teachers for our children. And then I get into what I call story teaching. It actually doesn't start until page 149 or something like that. And I talk about this incredible part of the brain called the hippocampus. And if people are like the hippo who, don't worry about it. You don't need to know what it's called, but it's essentially the brain's storyteller. And it's what makes sense of everything we have ever experienced. It helps create our visual memories someday five years from now, we might not remember that we recorded this particular podcast on this day of the week, and it was this time of the month, and so on and so forth. But I will remember, you were wearing a purple shirt, and you had a big sign that said play behind you, and you have a beautiful smile. I will remember those things because of my hippocampus. When we can teach through stories, and I'll talk about that in just a second, we go directly to that part of our child's brain so they can remember the details of the message we were trying to instill in a way that is meaningful and memorable as well as actionable for them. It is actually the easiest way to get the message across. So at first people might be like, but I'm not creative, I can't tell stories. Don't worry, I've got you covered from everything from sample stories at the back of the book to other references and other ways you can make it super easy on yourself. I make it very accessible for us, so not to worry. And then very briefly, I do talk about the three different ways that we can use stories as benevolent teachers. One is proactively before something happens. Maybe it's going to be our child's first day at school. Maybe it's the first time a child is going to a family wedding and they need to know how to behave. Anything that we want to prepare them for, we can use stories for. We can also use stories in the moment. Things are going sideways, things are going off the rails, and we need to be able to swoop in with something non-punitive that gets their attention right here and now but feels emotionally safe to them and hence easier to retain for the next time. And then finally, I address retroactive storytelling, which is something has already gone down, something has happened. How can we make sense of it so that we can either repeat it if it's a good thing that we want to happen again, or if it's something that we want to handle differently next time? And specifically about the things that have transpired in the past, especially things that were really stressful or traumatic, I also have a section about stories for healing, how we can use storytelling or story teaching, as I call it, to help heal not only our own past, but also experiences that our children have encountered so they don't have to carry stress or toxic stress forward in their bodies anymore. They can release it completely and heal through this work that we can do together. And it's so much easier than most people realize. So I sincerely hope people will be blessed by this book and you know, know that this was my work to say, okay, God, speak through me. And I very sincerely believe that he did. Uh, it sounds incredible. I'm so intrigued by this idea of story teaching and mostly because Jesus was such a storyteller and I have always loved that about him, but I've never put it into teaching and discipline the way that you're describing. And that's really beautiful and encouraging. And it's really exciting to me to be able to use something that I've seen be so powerful in good everyday happy moments and, you know, more proactive teaching, but to also be able to use it in these harder moments. And, And that's not something that I've really tried a lot of before. And so that's so exciting and encouraging. And I love how you also talked about the retroactive storytelling in those good moments to help them to want to repeat things that they've done well. I think that's really powerful. 
For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned how Jesus used the parables, his stories as such incredible teachers. You know, right now, if I throw out off the top of my head, the Good Samaritan, you know, the parable of the mustard seed, um, you know, I could go on and on, but odds are very good that if people have been doing any of their Bible reading, or perhaps they're remembering something from Sunday school when they were five years old, there's part of that story that immediately comes back to the forefront of their mind. Jesus knew that storytelling and story teaching was going to be so much more effective for his own disciples and the people around him than simply telling them, well, be, do it because I said so. No, Jesus was a storyteller too. It's beautiful. Yes, yes. And I can see, uh, like just reflecting on stories that he told, especially his disciples, um, that he would tell stories beforehand and during and after. And um, just <clears throat> putting that together is just so helpful for me and encouraging to me that I, I just can't wait for your book to come out so that I can learn more about this. So you mentioned this idea of calming ourselves, and, but you've also mentioned that this isn't specifically a Christian book. It's not written just to Christians. So how, if you can give us a little sneak peek, how do we, what are some other ways? Because I know for me, I want to say I always go to prayer and that it works immediately to calm myself down. But honestly, that's not the truth. So can you give us a little a little sneak peek as to something else we might try? Yeah, absolutely. So God gave us this beautiful nervous system and he gave us our instincts. So that reaction that you have where maybe you're mad and maybe you want to yell or maybe you're frustrated and you just feel like, oh, I just need to walk out of the room for a second. Some of my recommendations actually support the things that your body is telling you, or probably the things that God is telling you through your body that you actually need in that moment. But the thing is, instead of, and I share this example fairly often, instead of yelling at your kids, for example, all right, what does your body need? Your body needs volume and gusto and passion when you feel that way, right? What about bursting into song instead? Some people are gonna be like, that's ridiculous, I'm not doing it. And that's okay, you don't have to if this doesn't resonate with you. But for some of us, okay, I'm gonna start singing because that way I meet my need for volume and gusto. Well, what should I sing? I don't want to start singing The Hills Are Alive when I'm mad. You don't have to. You can sing what you're feeling that you need. You can sing about what's going on. You might sing, and I'll spare our listeners my singing voice because I'm a writer, not a singer, but you could sing, I feel frustrated and I need some space. You can sing those words and interestingly, tying the science piece back in, we know that God gave us this beautiful thing called the vagus nerve. It's part of polyvagal theory that we now understand more and more about all the time now. When we sing, we activate the vagus nerve and it's actually calming to the nervous system. So this is something we can do with our big energy to help get it out just as our instincts are telling us to do but in a way that does absolutely no harm emotionally, physically, or otherwise to the people around us. So how's that land with you for one? That's great. That is so good. I have, um, occasionally I will uh, growl like an animal when I need to get that out because it makes my kids laugh and it makes me laugh and it's, it still has that release. Um, and, but I have also been known to put on a song really loudly so I can just kind of get that out as well. So I love that. And I love that there's science backing it. Um, and that, and how you said that God can speak to us through our bodies in that moment. I think we often just try to say these emotions are bad. And right. so I can't, as the parent, I need to be in control and I can't allow myself to feel these. And because, you know, and we want to block these out of our kids too. You're not allowed to 
be angry. And so I think having that is such a beautiful, playful way to model healthy anger and, and that expression of that. I, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. And you just touched on one of the most common misconceptions when it comes to anger. We have this view that anger is bad and we shouldn't feel it and we shouldn't express it. False. God gave us anger as a gift. Anger helps keep us safe. Anger helps tell us when we need a boundary or when we need safety in some sense. And so when we feel angry, we get to say, praise God, I feel so mad right now. I know that I need something. And God is speaking to me through this gigantic feeling that he created in my body. And here's the thing. Our kids get to learn healthy anger management strategies because we are modeling them. And you know what? Stuffing anger down is not a healthy anger management strategy. That just means we're going to blow up sometime later because we've got it all pent up inside. But when our kids can look at us and say, it's safe to be angry. It's safe to express anger. It actually helps them develop a much healthier relationship with anger. And down the road, this takes work, but sneak preview for those of you who are out there and going, oh my goodness, I can't imagine this. But someday the goal is actually for our children to be able to express their anger with us and have us be able to say, not from a place of our wounded inner child, but from a place of our empowered, adult, peaceful, God-given clarity on this topic, we can say to our child, it's okay if you're angry with me. Your anger is safe here because we have a healthier relationship with anger than we used to. And that's a total paradigm shift for some people. Absolutely. And I also think as you're, you're talking about all of this and you were saying earlier about God being a safe place, I've heard so many non-Christians say that they don't want to believe, or they don't want to have anything to do with God because he is an angry God. And so when we can help people, our kids starting, you know, starting with our kids to see that anger isn't a bad thing and that it can be expressed safely, that can help to fight that argument of, I don't want anything to do with an angry God. Exactly. Yeah, this is a God of peace. And interestingly, the God of peace is also the same God who created anger. Anger was never intended to become a scary, damaging thing. That is the work of the other side. But God created anger to be a blessing to our lives. And his gift of it to us is to glorify him as well. How can we glorify God through our anger? That's something to sit with for a while. In fact, I'm going to take that to bed and pray about it tonight too. Absolutely. Wow. Yes. I don't know that I've ever thought of that. How can we glorify God in our anger? And I think that, I mean, that's so important for us as parents to sit in that because that can be one of the hardest things when our kids are, you know, having these big feelings and we're trying to help them to process them well, but their big feelings give us big feelings and it, you know, it, it all just kind of melts together sometimes. And so that question is just so important. Yeah. And you know, what's coming up for me and, you know, praise God for, for blessing me with this insight right now, but it really feels like God is the ultimate co-regulator. You know, co-regulation is where we sit with our kids and we help calm them down from our place of calm. God is the ultimate co-regulator. So when we are angry and frustrated and all these things, when we go to God and say, God, I'm mad at the world. I'm mad at my kids. I'm maybe even mad at you, whatever it is. God is the one who's like, I've got you, sweetheart. You know, I'm just going to let you have your anger and show you how to use it for good. And I'm going to use this for a greater purpose. God, in his modeling how to co-regulate with us and be our rock no matter what, I never worry that when I express my anger to God that he's like, well, if you're going to act that way, don't come back until you're better, you know, ready to behave. God doesn't work like that. He gets to model 
the kind of co-regulation that we want to be able to pass along to our children too. It's such a, a huge shift for so many of us. Yes, such a beautiful picture. And, and you know, just a really good message for us as parents to remember that we don't have to fix it for our kids. We don't have to fix those emotions. We can just sit there with them in it. Right, right, exactly. I've got this in the book, but one of my favorite things to say to my own child when she's dysregulated is all of your feelings are safe here. Because number one, it's my commitment to make her feelings safe. But it's also a reminder to me that whatever I feel unsafe with is probably coming from my own inner child stuff, my family of origin. It's some lie that I've been told somewhere along the way. And when I get to heal alongside her by making all of her feelings safe, oh my goodness, what a beautiful way to say this is God's love in action in parenting. Yes, he definitely refines us and sanctifies us through parenting and can heal us also. Yes. Yes. So good. And I, so I just want to really quickly touch on the brain science. I know that sometimes it can be hard for Christians to just jump in 100% to brain science and wonder, well, is this biblical? But for me, it's just, I love learning brain science because I'm like, this is what God did in these, you know, in this organ. And it's so cool, but that's not always the case for some people. So can you just touch a minute on um, how you can see God at work through brain science and match that with, you know, your take on the Bible and making brain science biblical? Yeah, I love that question. And you're right, it is a sticking point for a lot of people. And, you know, bringing this back to a biblical perspective, we know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, quoting a Bible verse there. And we know also that God gives us what we need when we need it in order to glorify him. You know, God at the very beginning of our life doesn't say, here's everything you're going to need your whole life, little infant. You know, God equips us in baby steps with what we need to grow in our faith with him. That's why we have free will, for example. God makes an invitation. Do you want to follow me? And as Christians, we've accepted that invitation. We say, yes, I do. But a baby isn't necessarily born saying, you know, my first word is going to be Jesus. Like, that, that's just not how it works. So we do know that our spiritual journey is a walk. It's an evolution. It's progress. It takes time to build that relationship with Christ over the years of our life. Interestingly, God did something amazing with the way he formed our children's brains. He literally did not give them a fully formed brain when they were born. <clears throat> Excuse me. He gave children the parts of their brains that they would need from the minute they exit the womb, the parts that detect heat and cold and hunger and thirst and emotional comfort. God said, you're going to need this when you're a baby. God did not give a baby the part of the brain that thinks about right and wrong. A baby doesn't need that. God did not give a baby the part of the brain that thinks about empathy for others or consequences of their actions or whatever. Again, baby doesn't need that. Baby needs to focus on growing because that's their biggest job as a baby to grow into a bigger child. That's how survival works, right? We know, according to brain science, that at different stages of the child's growth, different parts of the brain are developing. And if I fast forward all the way through childhood, I can point out a couple of key milestones for you now. We know that the part of the brain that develops empathy and perspective, uh, per perspective taking rather, doesn't really develop until six or seven, and for some children even later. 
So if you're wondering why won't my two-year-old share, it's because God said they don't have to know that yet. That's not their priority. Their priority is like walking and talking and this really basic stuff. They're not ready for everything in my kingdom to be divulged to them yet. We also know that empathy and perspective taking and thinking about consequences of actions and making good decisions and all of these things don't really develop more in the brain until the teen years. And the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that does all of those things and more, doesn't fully develop until between age 25 and 30. God said, I'm going to give to you, child, the parts that you need right now for this perfect stage in the development of your mind, body, and spirit. And we can see the parallel with our spiritual walk. I haven't personally seen the kingdom of God yet. I haven't seen heaven yet because God has said, Sarah, you're not ready for it yet. I can say, however, that I have received the Holy Spirit. I have received Christ as Christ as my personal Lord and Savior because at some point in my upbringing, my brain was ready for it. And I was ready to make that heart commitment to him, not just because somebody told me that, oh, God is good, therefore you should believe but because I was spiritually developed enough to decide this is the right path for me. So we've got this beautiful parallel running between our spiritual life and the physical development of the child. They are not in contradiction to one another. They are not opposing views. God gives us what we need and what we are ready for at predetermined specified times that he has outlined for us and 100% of it is biblical. Oh, that is so good. I I had not made that connection before. So thank you so much. I love remembering when Paul says, when I was a child, I think I thought like a child and I acted like a child. And he's not saying that as if it was a negative thing. And that's what I, you know, I always come back to and try to point parents to is that being childish is not this negative thing that we need to help them grow out of immediately. It is this, this process, this beautiful timeline that God has created for them. And just the way you um, talked about God gives us what we need when we need it, but how often do we think we need something different from what God knows we need. And so I think that's what we often do with, with our kids is I think you need to share and you're only two. And so then, then we have this expectation, but not realizing it doesn't line up with the way that they've been created. Exactly. Yeah. And I love it that these things really do support each other. You know, God knows that, a five-year-old brain shouldn't be thinking through all of the same things that a 35-year-old brain should. It's not even healthy for them. And having this perspective and knowing what they developmentally can and can't do really helps us as parents come back to being fruity, as you said. You know, I can have a lot more self-control. I can have a lot more patience. I can have a lot more gentleness If I look at my child and say, God hasn't made that part of your brain yet. And I'm not calling you unintelligent. I'm just saying God is still in the process of creating you. Just like I confess, God is still in the process of creating me. He's not done with me yet either. Yes. And it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. And so he grew, he wasn't born walking and fully formed sentences and all of that as well. So exactly. Uh, so good. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here. So when does your book come out? Thank you for asking. Depending where in the world you are, it may already be available. It is available in the United States and in the UK and in numerous European countries. I know that in 
Australia and Canada and a couple of other places. It comes out January 3rd of 2023. Okay. So just around the corner, but it's available either for order or pre-order everywhere right this second. And one thing I want people to know is that I have made a commitment to God and to myself that this is for him. This is not for the Sarah show. Every sale that I get is I'm going to use to glorify him. I'm going to pass this along to children around the world to um, help enhance their lives and bring them closer and give them access to, to resources that will help support them. So this is this is my, um, you know, discipleship. This is my uh, work to pass along the gifts that he has given me. So thank you in advance to those of you who purchase Peaceful Discipline, because through it, you're helping reach children who need support all around the world. Oh, that's incredible. Way to glorify him, especially through the funds of, of non-Christians. And so that I will join you in praying for those that read this book and buy this book, that they would become curious um, in him and be drawn to him even without his name being in the book. So uh, thank you for that. And where is the best place for people to purchase the book and to find out more about you? Sure. So it's available at um, all the places I mentioned on Amazon. So if you've got an Amazon option, that's always super easy for people. And it's also available uh, right now for pre-order, but soon for ordering at Barnes and Noble. And my personal hope and prayer is that it will be accessible at more independent small bookstores as well. So that's part of my marketing initiative right now. And if I can ask people who are listening to, um, you know, to please pray for the book, because it actually launched a couple months earlier than I was planning. God had different timing than I did. So 100% of the marketing right now is just word of mouth. So if people feel called to share in, you know, online parenting groups or whatever, I just want to express my sincere gratitude for that. And as for learning about me, I am at dandelionseeds.com. There is a hyphen, dandelion-seeds.com, dandelion positive, I'm sorry, dandelion seeds, positive parenting on almost all the social media, except for Instagram, dandelion seeds, positive living, because parenting wouldn't fit. Oh. But, <laughs> but you can find me anywhere. And I'm a real person, real mama here. So if anybody has feedback, whatever, I welcome it, especially by the way, in the form of those Amazon reviews, because that helps tell Amazon that it is indeed a real book and it should show it to more people. Yes. Yes. And, um, do you have something that um, you're offering the listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. When you go to my website, dandelionseeds.com with the hyphen once again, um, you can take any one free mini course that you want to. I have more than 40 available. And I also am giving you access to a series of free expert interviews with some of the leading minds in child development, brain science, um, you know, even some biblical parenting ones. So you're welcome to watch those expert interviews, um, a handful of them for free as well. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to go check it out myself right after I purchase the book on Amazon. And um, all of the links will be in the show notes. And just thank you again so much. It has just, um, this has been play for me to have this conversation with you. And I'm so eager to get and read your book. The last question I like to ask all moms on the show is I believe that mamas need play too. Sarah, how do you personally like to play? I like to just be goofy in whatever ways I feel like it. You know, I decided a couple of, I guess about a year ago that I wanted a disco ball in my kitchen. So I installed a disco ball in my kitchen and I'm a former dancer. So you will sometimes see me dancing in my kitchen or around just because it feels good to my body. So I think play is accessible all around us all the time. And when you feel that playfulness rise up, just go with it and don't fight it because it leads to a much more joyful life. Absolutely. I love that you have a disco ball in your kitchen. Now you've got me thinking, I'm like, Ooh, where could one go in my house? That's so fun. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And all of your wisdom that God has gifted you with and for this message of 
um, just parenting in a different way. And I just can't wait to see what it's going to do in families through your faithfulness. And so just thank you again for being so faithful to God and listening to him with boldness and courage. Well, praise goes to him and all the glory. And thank you so much for the work that you do to help share his word and his love with others. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. How incredible is Sarah, right? So exciting to have a voice like that speaking for such a beautiful theology of parenting. And um, she's not alone. There are lots of great voices, but I'm just so excited for her and for her book. I actually, as soon as I got off of the interview, went and purchased her book because I thought that it was coming out later. Like she mentioned, it was released early. And so I had the wrong date in my mind. And so I just purchased it and so excited. It will be here on Thursday. Can't wait to read it. Check out the show notes for a link to her book. And then if you get it, let me know and we can read it together. Talk to you soon, mamas. All right. Now for a little bit of Christmas fun on December 19th, I'm going to be hosting a Zoom Christmas party. There will be some fun, some prizes, and all you have to do to get invited to this Zoom Christmas party is to leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, take a screenshot of your review, and send it to me either in email or on Instagram or Facebook. And if you screenshot it and share your review and your stories and tag me, then you get to invite a friend as well. So you leave a review and send me a screenshot and you get invited to my Christmas party. And then if you share that on social media and your stories and tag me in it, then you get to come and bring a friend. So this will be a really fun, short, um, it's not going to be super long, fun, 30 minute Christmas party with um, games and prizes, lots of prizes. So Join me in the Zoom Christmas party by leaving a review and sending me a screenshot. Bye, mamas. Well, mamas, that's it for today. Thanks for joining me on Playfully Faithful Parenting. I'd love to keep the conversation going over on the socials. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you felt encouraged or equipped by today's show, do me a favor and leave a review. I can't wait to hear your story. Till next week. Keep playing and pointing those littles to Christ.